thank you for watching. That's normally how I sign off my vlogs. But if you're watching this, then that means you're already helping me to make a difference. I'm Philip Dehaney and I've been making That Stagey blog for nearly a year. During that time, I've met and interviewed some incredible people. And this month, I will be meeting some of the most remarkable. In this series, I will be interviewing people from the theatre community living with HIV and people who have spoken publicly about it. Each of their stories is very different, as is the way that they choose to tell them. Some people are able to talk publicly about it. Some people prefer to stay private, and that's okay. I hope that these videos will encourage you to listen and to talk. And whether you want to share your story with somebody, I hope that these videos will encourage you to start those conversations. I hope that these videos will answer some of your questions and encourage you to ask more. Well, yeah, what I'm trying to say is that I'm, I am HIV positive. Um, and it's, shouldn't be, but it's so hard to say. And talk about. The thing that terrified me is after the production, I had no reason that that person would be me. I had never thought that I would ever be HIV positive. Of all the people in the world having sex, of which there are very, very many, why did I have to be the one to get HIV? Today is a very special day. I could say it's a red letter day, if you like. And I've been thinking about making this video for a very long time. I know some people won't like it. And I'm thinking that's even more of a reason why it should happen and why I would like everyone to know that I'm HIV positive. You never forget when you get told. I got a text message saying, I'm HIV positive and now so are you. And that's when you go, no, 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 not, not. I thought, well, if I don't know, then I'll be fine. I, was, I thought, 
like many still do, that if you have HIV, then that's it. Start from where? So we met in Edinburgh. <laughs> are we on it? We on already? Yeah, we're on. Well, well, cheers! Hi. Cheers. I love. I love your t-shirt, by the way. I love this. Thank you. And the ribbon is the A. You're so. I, know. I love well, it. I did. I considered putting it there, but I was no, because like, no, A and then for AIDS and uh, exactly. So you marketing genius. genius. <laughs> where can I get? You one? can have one of these. I'll get you one. Oh, girl. What, what size would you like? Uh, Oh, I'm not going to tell you not live because <laughs> I just I went to go I was going to this awards thing tonight and I went to get a new outfit and I cried and TK Maxx just oh. <laughs> some sizes are not the sizes that I wore before and I'm like oh. well, that's TK Maxx maybe they just get them wrong but when you're trying to squeeze into skinny fit and it's definitely <laughs> and you're two sizes bigger than what you thought you were it's quite sad anyway so I met you in Edinburgh yes when you were doing how would you describe your show in Edinburgh Misfit Warrior piece of gig theatre autobiographical yeah um telling uh, my story of about not giving up through adverse circumstances god you've got that down haven't you well bitch i was selling it for like a <laughs> <laughs> i was very moved by it Thank you i generally it's very brave and very bold so tell me more about it like what did it cover tell me your story Oh my god! In a nutshell, but, yeah. But last time I did that, it was two podcasts, yeah. <laughs> it was like four hours. In a nutshell, really quickly, I got diagnosed with HIV in twenty. God knows, twenty ten, late twenty ten, and then unfortunately for me, it was quite far gone, and we didn't know how far really until in the April the following year. That was October twenty ten, the April following year. It was just I had a really bad appendicitis, which I had a hideous operation for, and they discovered that I had cancer, which was caused by a breakdown in the immune system, which is HIV. So I was in hospital for about a year, having very very intensive chemotherapy, and I almost died at one point, but obviously it didn't. And then um, got out, got out the other side, remission this Christmas. It's eight years remission or something. Wow. Um, and then um, uh, three years to recover. This is really quick. This is the quickest yeah, time I've yeah. Recovered from it. And about two and a half years ago, they discovered, I was getting really ill, and they discovered that I um, have a, a defect in my immune system, which was caused by a chemotherapy that saved my life. And it basically the fundamental part of your immune system, which is B cells and antibodies, anything to fight any kind of virus infection, I don't have. <laughs> so yeah, um, so I've been knocked down, pick myself back up, knocked down, pick myself yeah. back up. So um, how do you not give up? And the show came because I did a video and I came out about my status. Um, in 2017 on World AIDS Day and I put a video online and it went viral <laughs> funny word <laughs> mm. I think it's so funny um, uh, yes it went viral and um, I discovered how important it is to actually share your story and speak up because the response was amazing so going back to 2010 when you were first diagnosed and you said it was quite far gone was that because you hadn't been tested mm -hmm. regularly mm -hmm. And do you remember why that was? I got, I got myself, I hadn't been tested regularly and it's like, I don't know, I'm sure it's in the back of everybody's minds, but oh, a gay man, a promiscuous gay man, and I'm using the word promiscuous in a very positive sense, because yeah. I'm very positive about it, sexual freedom, go do what you want. However, <laughs> and this is what I've learned the hard way, but um, 
yeah, so I was having fun, having a good time, but I wasn't really getting tested, and I was too scared to because I've been poorly educated. Right. Poorly educated. And that's is that what's that's from, what yeah. I've when I, now I've unravelled it yeah. years later, and you sort of really go why 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 is why it just me not being responsible? It's like well you're an adult you should know better, but hang on if you're not informed and it's not programmed into you when you're being programmed that way, you know about looking after yourself, looking after your your mental health, looking after your sexual health, your physical health, like all of that. No one. When I was at school, God. So you knew about HIV and you knew yeah, you, where you could get tested, yeah, you knew yeah, how yeah. to. But never did it. But you didn't because of a fear. Because of, yeah, because I left it too long and then you I was scared too, it, it would case. Well, then I was too scared to then probably find, well, I, like I said, there's a line in the show that I say, well, you know, I was just too scared to find out the inevitable because I kind of probably go, you probably do have it. But right. I was so frightened. Cause, and also poorly educated about HIV and AIDS yeah. and what it is and what life like is on it um, and at this time the undetectable thing which I'm sure we'll get to yeah. later was not even when I got diagnosed undetectable was a very very new thing but right. it wasn't even completely proven so at that point it was a death sentence so you had you were legitimately yeah but then I got myself into a, situa- a situation where I knew I'd slept with somebody and they were yeah. positive and then I was just kind of like well you can't run away from it now and you need to sort of man up and go find out and I did do you remember that mm. feeling when you got told mm-hmm. do you want me to cry is that way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah I feel like uh, Piers Morgan here I know um, you don't have to no no I talk about it. I just did a show in Edinburgh about it yeah. crying out loud and I did a video so like I'm happy to talk about everything. I think it's good that we do. I it was different, I guess, for you from someone in finding out nowadays. Because it's, I'm sure it's still quite devastating to mm. anybody finding out. But eight, well, nine years ago now, this like, yes, this time nine. Jesus Christ, nine years ago, um, yeah, yeah, it was very different, I suppose. And who did did you tell anybody at the time? Yeah, close friends. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell them where I was going. I went. Right. did all that myself found out and then I thought I waited on it for about a week and then I told my close friends well, there was nothing there was a, the, the moment they told me yeah I, and it's because I sort of knew but right. I didn't know it, but it still is quite devastating it's confirmation it, yeah it's the same with because I was the same with when I was diagnosed with the cancer there was a certain way at the time that we all perceive it and I remember with the cancer when I went in and, and they went, what do you know about cancer? And I went, I said a couple of things and she went, yeah, that's so stereotypical. Most of that's not true. Uh. And I was like, ah, oh, sure. what do you associate being can- like, having cancer? I was like, well, you lose your hair, you get bruised and you throw up all the time and you're really skinny and you look grey. And she was like, well, yeah, but let me explain all of that. And there's a lot more to it. And it's the same with HIV. Everyone's just got this assumption better it's getting better now yeah. because there's more education and we're, we're shouting out and a lot more people are coming out which recently yeah wow that's been amazing but at the time I, I just had this preconception of what it would be and that's what puts you off from getting tested as well so coming up to going public which you did two years ago like you say yeah um how long did you consider doing that i don't know but like we were talking what prevented you uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, well, stigma and, and discrimination. Also, there is something that I would love to have more of a conversation about, actually. So when you get diagnosed with HIV, there's masses of confidentiality around it yeah. to protect you for legal reasons and everything. It's, ama- it's amazing because when I was in hospital having the chemo, my family didn't know 
that I was positive. Wow. And the doctors were amazing before they would talk to anybody. They would double check with me. Do they know? Do you want us to discuss this? Not discuss this? They were so amazing. So the confidentiality and obviously the training that the medical practitioners get yeah. is incredible because it's to protect you legally, which is amazing. However, on the flip side of that, I feel like it breeds, and you need that. It reinforces. It, well, it breeds a, um, a secrecy. Yeah. Um, it breeds a shamefulness of it or keep it hidden to protect you. And they don't force it. They're, they're really good at being very, um, uh, what's the word? I'm so old and thick. <laughs> they're very good at being very um, just in the middle yeah. of not being one way or the other. Um but for me now I've again when I've looked back in and unraveled it you kind of go God that kind of implants this I can't imagine it yeah, this, reinforces you it sort of puts you in a, in a HIV closet that's the only way I can sort of describe you sort of and you put yourself in there because they advise you but they, they don't force you they just leave it all for you to decide Wait, do you tell your GP do you not if you tell your GP it's on that record and then yeah and this was things were different nine years ago to yeah. what they were now even though it wasn't that long ago Shit's moved. So can I swear? Yeah, of course you can. Because even prep wasn't about. There was no such thing as prep. Yeah. Um, pep there was, but there was no prep. Um, so it was, yeah, very interesting. But yeah, there's, so there's a secrecy to it. So it made me, I feel that it, it's brilliant. You need that confidentiality. You need that protection. But also, I feel that it kind of breeds this. Sorry. So then when I was thinking about it, it's like, uh, like I said to you before, I was talking to people about being HIV. I wasn't out, but I wasn't in. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I wasn't private, but I wasn't public. I wasn't shouting it from the rooftops. I wasn't owning it. And I noticed in public spaces, I'd be whispering it or I would think before I actually told somebody, even if it wasn't a big thing. And I was like, oh, there's some shame attached with that. That's not good. And like talking about being in a closet, I thought, oh, this feels like how I was when I was like 15, just before I came out of being gay. I was like, do I either stay like this and tread on eggshells and worry or just rip the band-aid off, come out, and then it's done, and I can't take it back. And once it's done, it's done. And fuck it. So I decided to just do it. So I did. And two years later, do you has that shame Yeah, I don't I, I like I, I have no problem now. And since I have, and obviously then because I did it on a video and it went on this podcast. Yeah, so tell us how you did it. I did it on a video. I decided for some reason to do it on Facebook on a video. Um because I sort of didn't want to help people, but deep down I did. Do you know what I mean? But I didn't really have the time or the energy to like fight a big cause. But I think I did want to put my story out there. Um, so I decided to do a video and I put it on Facebook and it kind of went, which was yeah. quite cool in a sense that I was getting messages from people saying, you help me, you help me, you help me. And that took um, some cojones to do that, I suppose. Yeah. And you've never looked back? No. And now I don't even... And people talk to me about it and I'm so open and I forget that a lot of people my I think a lot more people know than they do yeah. <laughs> oh my god it went massively viral 50 million people saw it but like only a few thousand but like I'm just kind of like I just talk about it and I don't have an issue who we would would find out or you, that you, at the time you didn't want people to know it wasn't really people knowing it was more the backlash and because right. I've been through so much I can't take on I mean believe me gay even still now there's problems, discrimination, all that, and it's bloody tiring and exhausting. And only somebody that's in a minority that gets discriminated against can 
sympathise with you yeah. um, but it's exhausting so just having another thing to explain or have to fight for or do you know what I mean or get because I got I've been on dates and I've told people on dates and they literally got up and like, this guy got up and walked away stopped wow. me and that just makes you feel dreadful about yourself and I just yeah I, I didn't tell people because I just didn't want to feel dreadful from somebody else's actions so it was just easier not to tell people and have you found the opposite that people are actually kind of more perceptive to you or yeah it's better yeah people come talk to me I talk more I'm a little bit more louder about it um yeah oh sorry um yeah I find that it's easier because I don't even think about it now because I've done it and it's really weird it's like being a flaming homo <laughs> but when I came out it's weird it's that word it's that three and it's a three letter word and it was the same with HIV it's this three letter word mm. and it's got so much attached to it it's that word it's, it's weird it's such a little word power of a word but it's massively powerful yeah um so it was really good to just say it but no I don't have a problem now and and yeah everyone's just like it, I still get crap from people but the worst <laughs> the worst people I get it from <laughs> is gay men yes that yeah. are ill in it, yeah and I know that sounds I'm not generalising but in my in my little bubble I get most of my discrimination from uh, gay men in the cases of people walking out on dates and yeah sexual and, encounters when yeah. I come clean about my status or and, and involuntary like they will just volunteer up discrimination without me even starting because I have profiles on apps I'm out on my profiles it's all there because I'm undetectable um, <clears throat> which is a huge piece of information yeah. and really good and you put it out there and it just sort of says to people like, I'm educated are you like not sort of berate you for not being educated but then when you know the, fa- the facts then it, it changes everything and I still get, it actually happened about a week ago. I had somebody literally, um, my message popped up on a certain dating app and straight away. Oh. And like calling me things like scumbag and dirty and you're what's wrong with society. And yeah, you disgrace. Yeah. Do you have a rule within yourself that you won't sleep with someone without telling them or you won't? Or how far into a dating do you? Uh, I try and get it, well, with dating apps, that's why I put it on my profile because yeah. it's done. So if I'm hooking up, I'm like, you make sure you've read my app, read yeah. my profile, and if not, then I'll tell them. Um, but that's why it's just, it's just full disclosure. And it's yeah. just there. Um, but also, it's a funny argument. There's a wonderful guy called Greg Owen who works for Terence Higgins, but he was responsible for I Want Prep Now. Yeah. Um, but because of the whole undetectable thing, now he's like, do you have to disclose your, your status yeah. because you're undetectable, which means you can't pass yeah. it on. So do you actually, it's- well, That's maybe, it comes less of a legal implication than yeah. a more moral implication. Yeah, but I don't even you know if there's a legal implication no. now with that, because has anyone visited it? Because if you're undetectable, you can't pass it on. Yeah. So do you actually need to tell anybody? It's an interesting question. It is. And it's going to be interesting over the next few years to see what happens. Yeah, but that's why it becomes kind of your your choice whether to tell people and when yeah um, and the implications obviously if, if you enter into a relationship with someone and somewhere down the point you're going to have to have that conversation and it's how they feel I have worse conversations than having to tell them I'm HIV now yeah yeah Jesus it's the other stuff going oh I go to the hospital once a month like and have a treatment are you going to cope with that <laughs> like that's even that's not even go there but that's even worse for me I'm always like oh Jesus I've got to tell them all that I'm watching them running for the hills um, uh, yeah. So, 
going on to your career, were you ever scared before coming out publicly that it was going to impact the work you had, an audience you got? Do you mean like losing losing followers or audience members or like people not employing me because I'm HIV? No. Well, we work in the theatre industry. It's a lot more liberal. Yeah. And we're seeing there's a certain case happening when we went to do with a show called Colour Purple. Um, and it's just like, we were a lot more open-minded yeah. and open. Um, so I don't think, I never, no, that didn't ever worry me. No. And do you think there's been positive implications of your diagnosis? Of being positive, positive about being positive. Positive bit by positive. Bloody words. Um, yes, there is, of course there is. There's many, many, many. But on the work thing, the impact, the positive impact is I'm now doing more queer and yeah. and HIV slash mental health work. In my, my work is gearing towards that now. I think that's where I'm using it. I wasn't like, I'm not an activist. I'm not doing this whole rah, rah. But actually, when I look at my work, I'm like, well, you kind you of are, are, but yeah. you're doing it in a different way. I'm not, I'm not a person to stand up on a soapbox and shout. However, since doing the show in Edinburgh and working with a lot more queer artists over the last few years, but especially in the last year, I am actually starting to get on my soapbox a little bit because I have my specific point of view. It's quite unique, I think. Um, so it's quite cool to sort of say it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all come from the strength you've developed since yeah I think so yeah it's just weird but it's just like if you're going to do it I suppose put it in your work then yeah uh, but then when you invite me doing this I probably wouldn't have done this but like now I'm like yeah let's tell everybody <laughs> and everyone needs to know yeah I've got very like yeah very like that um, I just don't like seeing people misguided mm. and just getting the facts and that was what you're saying about what's positive about being positive I got educated about sexual health completely and oh taboos just have disappeared um and sexually actually it's helped me as well in my life knowing my status yeah and being in control of everything it, it's very very interesting but i'm a lot more um uh, um i've had a, a, a bit of a sexual liberation because of it as well in a good way in a great yeah. way yeah a lot of fun <laughs> Can I imagine, yeah, now Keep it's, it staging. it's relieved that kind of yeah, and burden that you, of it. because yeah. you can't pass it on. Well, yeah, we were talking about not, like you were saying at the beginning, so like not, no, so being scared, not going to get tested. I get tested very regularly now. Yeah. Um, if I'm more, if I'm yeah. playing more, I get tested more. If not, I'm definitely like twice a year. Sometimes it's every three months. And if I've been very active, I just go and actually went yesterday. Got my text this morning and I'm all yeah. good. Everything's, everything's great. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm very educated. Um, I take my meds um, to protect me and to protect others. Um, uh, yeah, and just get tested regularly. But because I'm in control of it and also not being fearful if something happens, because it can't really get any worse. Well, <laughs> I said it about death. But I've nearly been there, so like... But, it, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's like, well, it's sort of taken the worry away in a sense. It's just like, yeah, it's not nice if you catch an STI, but it happens, okay? Yeah. So the fact that um, the, my issue was, because saying about the HIV was far gone, and then the knock-on effects of the cancer, and then unfortunately I'm left with a condition because of the chemotherapy. Like, my life has been really screwed, but it's all about early detection. That's what I've yes. learned. 
It's about knowing your status and early detection. And a lot of people that do get diagnosed quite early on, you know, they've, they know they've been exposed, they, they go straight on meds because that never used to happen nine years ago. And you become undetectable quite quickly, long as so you, you respond to the meds quite well, which now there's less and less resistance to yeah. the drugs. Then you're done. And then just keep on top of yourself. Take your meds and then touch wood, you're all right. Do you know what I mean? It's a pretty clear case. So that's why I get tested regularly now and I make sure I look after myself. People can talk about your physical health. We will go to the gym and we're now starting to do our mental health. So we're all sexual. Just look after your sexual health. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been the biggest positivity out of it. And also, so when you take the pill every morning, some people talk... Two, three, three. Some people talk about it acts as a kind of constant reminder. Mm -hmm. And how does that impact you? Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Because sometimes the second nature, you have a more, like everyone has a morning routine or an evening routine. Yeah. You know, when you wash, brush teeth, deodorant, whatever, pills, gone. I do mine at night. Yeah. So it's get home. It's I've just eaten half a pack of biscuits with a cup of tea, <laughs> dunked them. <laughs> That's not even a lie. <laughs> no wonder I'm not fit into the slim fits. Um, um, yeah, and then it's like you get ready for bed. So I mean, you go brush your teeth, and then I just take my pills and you go to yeah. bed. But it depends mentally where you are. Sometimes yeah. you just do it fine, not an issue. And then in that routine, on the odd occasion, you will catch yourself, and it is a bit of like a because like, I have. I think for me, I have other routines that I have to do for yeah. my health. It does weigh you down at times, or the time you forget about it, you just do it, and then it's like if you have to go away. Or do, do, that's when it becomes a reminder. Or you do get poorly, it becomes a reminder because then you have to go and interact with it all, the clinics, the doctors, you have to bring it all up. That's when it starts to impact you negatively, I think, for me anyway. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's weird. It is weird. Like I say, yeah, you take your pill and you'll be fine. And that is true. But yeah, there's a lot of other stuff that goes with it. So get tested. Yeah. And if you are negative, great. And if you're sexually active and you want to have condomless sex, fine, then take PrEP and get tested regularly. Just be educated, find out what works for you and then take responsibility for it. And because the government do not educate us when we're little. I do not want to put out an ad campaign about being undetectable either, which is dreadful. Um, then we have to take responsibility and go, right, I need to educate myself. And there's a lot more information out there now and it's a lot easily accessible. Yeah, and the campaign to get PEP and PrEP on NHS seems to be... How do you feel about that? Yeah, great. Anything to help? I spoke to Michael Brady, who is... Up there. there is an argument, and I think it stems from the gay community as well, where people think... PrEP it shaming. Yeah, or you're it a, perpetuates... You're a dirty this. slut if yeah. you take PrEP, because that means you're having sex without a condom. And they, see, people say safe sex is with a condom, and that's how it used to be, but that's no longer the case. And it's language and terminology, and people need to really learn what the difference is, but that's down to education. Yes. It's no longer called a disease. It was called a disease. It's a virus. Yeah. You know, it's, it's HIV. The V is for virus. So that's a language we need to learn. Undetectable is a word that everyone needs to learn. Um, and um, PrEP and PEP. Um, but... Things like it's not a it's not a disease it's a virus it's they are very very different things and people need to understand that um, uh, it's uh, no safe sex can be without a condom you can still have safe sex yeah. yes you are exposed to other things but if you know your status and you know the statuses of other people that you're playing with then you're covered and you'll find that is classed as safe sex now yeah. 
but a lot of people are still in the frame of going if you're not having a condom you're dirty you're disgusting and you sh you should be shamed for it because people are like well if you take prep you're having sex without condoms and then you can pass on all sorts of the stis and it's like well if you haven't got them because you're getting tested regularly and if you know and if the person you're playing with knows you know takes responsibility then we're all laughing we're all brilliant and we have a good time so I get really angry at that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I got very firm. Didn't yeah, I? I like that. I mean, it's it's a fact that if everybody if everybody who has HIV is undetectable, is undetectable and takes their medication, and, and everybody who isn't is taking preventative. This is what we can eradicate it. This is what Michael it's Brady so was saying. He's he's a big doctor with Terence Higgins and on on the fight with HIV, and because now they've said by twenty thirty, yeah, no more no more transmissions. If you just stabilize it then it can't go anywhere then you eradicate that and yes people go oh the cost of prep and all, but actually that's cheaper the long than, than long-term medication and medical assistance to anyone living on H with hiv and the knock-on effect of that so it's actually cheaper to give everyone prep yeah. that's the argument it just brings everything down but then it, it but then education yeah that means ad campaigns but the government are not doing anything no ad campaign about being indetectable no national nationwide campaign so anything you see is being funded by Terence Higgins or do it London like no one else is no one else is screaming about it and it's also worrying that the last big move the government did was the gravestone the tombstone yeah. thank you Maggie that was the last time they put that much attention and money into educating some people still think now if you kiss you can get it or if you, yeah. Yeah. If you share a glass or dreadful dreadful what do you think the future is for trying to inform and educate what do you think of... well it depends on what government we have on their agenda because yeah. politics is not the way it was it wasn't just to serve the people now it's all for power and status and rule it's not so I don't know to be honest yeah. but it is down to them they fund the NHS through how we pay for it through national insurance but that they decide where the money's going and it's down to them and education and then we just saw the backlash in Birmingham just about inclusive education yeah. but like education from the beginning if it's, in, if it's installed in you when you're being taught about everything about life then you live that life educated and with that system yeah. in place and um, it's down to the government so they say oh yeah by 2030 it's like but we are sitting on this massive amount of information about being undetectable but where's the huge nationwide campaign Thank you, Gareth Thomas, for doing your documentary. Yeah. I was reading about Terence Higgins, how they had a massive spike in hits on their site and especially on the can't pass it on information. Really? Yeah. And people get more Huge, tested. Yeah, and prep. But like from the documentary, it was all the, the can't pass it on information, which was amazing. How did you feel when you saw that? Or yeah, did you watch it? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Did any of it resonate with you? Was yeah. it a bit too close to the bell? It's always, you hear about anybody, anybody that comes out to me or tells me about their, their status, it always resonates because you go, there's a sense of pride, um, say, great, you know who you are, you're owning it, yeah, there's a sense of like, I know, like, it's that thing, is like, like I said before, it's like when you talk about minorities, it's only a minority that can understand what you've been yeah. through, so it's nice to connect, there's a sort of sense of relief that you can sit and talk to somebody and they know exactly your thoughts and your feelings about something. Um, so that, but then you also do you feel the hurt and it comes back up of going Jesus you must have had a rough time so I mean anybody that told me that I'd be like yeah I'd just be like yeah I remember when I got diagnosed and how the work I've had to do and the daily work that I have to do to keep going <clears throat> so 
when someone tells you, you kind of go, Jesus. And then you worry, I go, with God, were they on their own? Did they share it with anybody? Because you just don't want anyone to go through that on their own. Mm. And you want to go, it's okay. Like, it's okay. I wish I was there. I wish I knew earlier. I wish you'd come out to me earlier or whatever. Yeah. And can I talk about, so we, we talked about Gav Thomas and how part of his re- resistance to come out publicly was to protect his family. Mm. And you mentioned earlier about how you, part of your delay coming public or consideration was because you hadn't told your oh, family. Aren't we selfless? Like, yeah. even as gay men, I think that's, I don't know, I'm, I'm, for me, like, because you, you worry about the knock-on effect and who else you might hurt, but you by not coming out about whatever it is you want to come out, the, the person, the fundamental person you're hurting is yourself. Yeah. When we worry all about, is everybody else? How is everybody else going to react? How are they going to feel? Who's going to be horrible to my family members because they have a, a HIV brother or a sister? or like, Do you know what I mean? And it, you just kind of go, like, sod that. Like, you, the, 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 the book stops with you. You've got to live your life. And the yeah. only person you're doing massive damage to is yourself, I think. It's hard. It's hard. I understand it because you want to protect people as well, you know? You don't want anybody, you don't want your problems to become somebody else's problem or issue. So I get it. But you've got to live your life. And that sounds awful, but because it's saying, well, they'll just have to suck it up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And there's that, well, if they love you, they'll be there for you. Maybe that's true, maybe that's not. I don't know, because every, every case is different, but you've got, yeah, you've got to look after yourself. But... It's when you're ready. I, it's, I make a joke about when I gave up smoking, everyone always says, like, I've been giving up smoking, like, I don't, I've lost count, it's like 12 or 13 years or something. Um, but you do it when you want to do it. And I think it's, it's a thing of everything has to just align and you just have to be ready. Come on. Thank you very much. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I've just waffled a load of old rubbish. No, you talk a lot of sense. <clears throat> it makes a lot of sense. That's the thing as well. It's the same way. I learned this from cancer, and, and it's, you know, but with, with HIV, everyone's experience is different. Yeah. You know, so when you speak, you go, yeah. But then that, I think that's my issue. Is like, I, part of me goes, oh, it'd be really good to be a mouthpiece because I have a very interesting story to share and have some very strong views on it, and I've unpacked a lot. But also, go, but this is my specific point of view, and it's not the same as somebody else's. Yeah. Um, so it's good. To, I'd rather tell it through my story and my experience than going. So this is how it is, and it's like, well, it's not because somebody else might live a different life with it, and and it doesn't diminish that their life is and the way that they want to handle it and do it is valid we spend a lot of time especially on Twitter telling people how they should be or how things should be and it's like well not necessarily we're, getting, we're really getting to the spectrum sort of side yeah. of life where it's like you know, you want to be this or that but everyone is unique in their own way and it's quite interesting but yeah so I think with me sharing it I like talking about it but this is just from my point of view you know it doesn't mean that it has to be the way or it's like I'm telling people you know what I mean? I do. Because everyone, yeah, everyone just does what they want in their own time when they want to. I didn't have the knowledge um, it, it was a big pool of of fear <laughs> mm. um, am I going to get a job if I tell people 
am I gonna find someone to fall in love with? Am I gonna, uh, you know, live beyond a certain age? Um, there's, there were so many questions in my head that were just going round and round and I didn't, I didn't know the answers. Mm -hmm.